Kabir defines the role of a sat guru or true master in the life of his or her students. Kabir said, It is the mercy of my sat guru that has made me to know the unknown. I have learned from him how to walk without feet, to see without eyes, to hear without ears, to drink without mouth, to fly without wings. I have brought my love and my meditation into the land where there is no sun and moon, nor day and night. Without eating I have tasted of the sweetness of nectar, and without water I have quenched my thirst. Where there is the response of delight, there is the fullness of joy. Before whom can that joy be uttered or revealed? Says Kabir, the guru is great beyond words, and great is the good fortune of the disciple. That passage from Guru Kabir reminds me a little bit of a saying attributed to Jesus in the Gospel according to Thomas, saying 17, also describing the role of the spiritual master, serving as a catalyst for divinity in the lives of his or her student, his or her students. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has felt, and what has never occurred to the human mind. That's a fantastic definition of what a Satguru is all about. I want to share today, for the benefit of spiritual seekers and satsangis everywhere, a compilation of quotes and articles and observations about this most important of subjects for spiritual seekers, finding a true teacher. Life is short. The art of living is choosing wisely. No decade should be lost. No detour. No subverting us from our divine impulse, dragging us off to something else, to be in service of some institution or organization. Ravi Shankar once said, You cannot just brush the surface of a culture and pretend that you found an answer. We must turn inward to the deepest of our own roots to find the very best of who we are. The leader of a spiritual movement must always be the embodiment of truth. The term Satguru means, literally, Guru of Truth. Without a competent master, a spiritual movement in this world will not be capable of being an instrument for the positive power or supreme being. The whole concept behind a living master is not to worship the personality of the master. It's not, it's not always about the master, 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 master all of the time. The master, if they live beyond ego, simply allow God to shine through. Is as uh, Master Kripal Singh used to say, a co-worker in the divine plan. So it's not the ego or the body of the master that is the focus, but the God in the master is what makes the master the master.
the God in the guru is what makes the guru a true guru. And without the God, our supreme power being in the guru, working through the guru, the guru is not a true guru. If you know what I mean, if that makes sense. It's the God in the master that makes the master a genuine master. Maharishi Mehi Paramhans, in his spiritual classic and Sant Mat manual, I highly recommend everyone read, called Philosophy of Liberation, says, If one has accepted a spiritual teacher and later finds him or her lacking in rectitude, that teacher should be abandoned. In spite of the teacher's knowledge, association with that teacher is not desirable if he or she is lacking in moral character. As the seeker is particularly affected by the teacher's moral character, it is imperative to avoid teachers without moral virtues. Purity of character is the essential quality of a teacher, says Maharishi Mehi in Moksha Darshan, the book known in English as Philosophy of Liberation. That's true of a lot of best-selling authors in the metaphysical, new age, spiritual, alternative spirituality kind of realm, uh, especially here in North America, but also true of in India too, also true of the, uh, the subcontinent of India. There are many authors that are a great read, but that doesn't mean that they are a spiritual master. You know, I've heard that said before about some uh, fairly well-known teacher. A great read, but don't let him babysit the kids. You know, lock your doors at night. Don't go to the retreat. But it's an interesting book, and that's as far as it goes. So being a well-known or best-selling author does not equal being a sant-sat guru. Renting a room at the United Nations just to take photos of being at the United Nations, as if that's a a great gig only for some powerful person or famous person. Totally meaningless. Photo ops and PR machines, public relations, endless public relations, shaking hands with other famous people and taking photos and sharing those photos. Here's me shaking hands with the Dalai Lama. He's, here's me shaking hands with the Pope. Here's uh, me with Bono. Here's me with me with some politician. Uh, see my photo. Isn't that great? Totally meaningless. Doesn't mean a thing. All of those outward things are fairly meaningless. Even posting spiritual quotes, if they're just meaningless, hallmark, syrupy quotes, just for the purpose of pleasing people, to go, hey, wow, this guy must be great. Just just saying these words insincerely, just to, to get a positive reaction from the masses. All part of the illusion. All very much within the matrix. All meaningless, if done with a motive that is anything other than genuine or sincere. The Guru Verification Process. This is from a book of Sant Ethics called 1008 Kabir Vani. 
Satguru Kabir warns everyone and says one should make someone his guru only after thorough verification about him. One should drink water only after filtering it in order to save oneself from contamination. One who adopts a guru without making proper verification about him has to remain continuing in the 84 lack modes of existence of living beings in this world or transmigration. If someone makes someone his teacher without any verification about him and that guru turns out to be false and cunning, how could that unqualified teacher bring fulfillment to the ultimate aim of the disciple's life? An interesting paragraph from the book 1008 Kabir Vani from the Sakis of Guru Kabir published by Minaj Publications of New Delhi on the guru verification process. That's right. If, if, the, if the teacher doesn't see light, how is the student going to be seeing light? If the teacher doesn't hear the sound, how is the disciple or student going to hear the sound? If the teacher is not fully aware of all the teachings of the path, how can they be teaching that to others? If someone says they are a pilot but have never flown a plane, how are the passengers on the plane he you know is in how are they going to reach their destination you know if the plane is not going to take off is not going to get airborne and is not going to travel somewhere and safely land somewhere how are the pas- the passengers going to get to their destination kabir once said the guru is a manifestation of wisdom and a spiritual seeker should acquire this knowledge Without the understanding of true knowledge and moral principles, there is neither a guru nor the true seeker. Who is worthy to be called a true or accomplished teacher? The one who has transcended the realm of ignorance and darkness and is established in the realm of knowledge and light is the true teacher. The true teacher goes beyond the material realm of forms and is established in the formless state of the infinite or divine. The accomplished spiritual teacher gives the message about reality only after testing this knowledge on the touchstone of his own personal experience. The knowledge of a true spiritual teacher is not simply based on intellectual knowledge but also in personal knowledge. The recognition of a true spiritual master is the most difficult of tasks. However, the one who has purity of character or rectitude, who practices diligently the yoga of sound, and who can explain clearly Sant Mat, the path of the saints, can be accepted and trusted and given devotion as a spiritual master. A person without rectitude or purity of character regardless of the other qualities just mentioned, should not be regarded as a true master. That's from The Philosophy of Liberation by Maharishi Mehi, who also said, Do satsang, search for a teacher, and choose an accomplished spiritual teacher. Without finding a true teacher, one cannot tread the path of knowledge 
are what might be in the West in ancient times called gnosis, if we were speaking Greek. He who first meets a guru who knows the secret of Shab, but has not yet attained perfection, but later on meets the Satguru who is perfect in Shabd practice, should consider the previous Guru as included in the perfect Satguru and take the protection of the latter. That's an amazing sentence. It comes from Sarbachan Prose, Book 2, Sayings of Swamiji Maharaj, given in Satsang. Now, it's in English, but it may not be clear to many not fluent with Swamiji's teachings as to what he means by, by these uh, words. The one who meets a guru who knows the secret of Shabd, the, the sound current, Surat Shabd Yoga, but has not yet attained perfection. That's referring to an, an, an imperfect master, if you will, or someone who's an okay teacher somewhere along the way, a sadhu or uh, someone of some degree of attainment somewhere within, somewhere along the way. In other words, they're not a philanderer, they're not a plagiarist, there's no grievous problem about them. They are uh, sort of like Baba Bishandas is described by Santji or uh, Sant Ajayb Singh, he describes Baba Bishandas uh, in his life, an earlier guru, who was somewhere along the way an ethical person, a harmless uh, individual, but was not a uh, advanced spiritual master, but he was an okay guy. Uh, someone like that, I think, is what Swamiji means here. Someone who is not a perfect master, but there's no grievous problem, sexual philanderer, plagiarist of texts, not the, the greatest plagiarist of the 20th century, not someone who misleads people willfully, but is somewhere along the way. An astral or causal or mental plane is, a, is, a, is somewhere you know, within, uh, but they're not a, a, a fully advanced teacher. Uh, if that is someone that you follow, but later on you find a more advanced spiritual teacher described uh, with terms like Satguru or someone who is a perfect master who is fluent in their spiritual attainment uh, they should consider the previous guru as included in the perfect guru and take the protection of the latter says Swamiji Maharaj. In other words, when you take initiation from the more advanced teacher and follow them, it's not that you are repudiating your progress that you made earlier in life with the other teacher. It's not a divorce and remarriage in that sense. Um, but you see where you've been and the teacher that you studied under earlier as being incorporated into your path. And then you follow, of course, the more advanced teacher. So that's how he advises people to look at that issue, the issue of you're following something, you know, you find something better or more advanced, uh, how you incorporate, you know, and honor that past connection and bring it uh, with you into your present state. So everything is either a stepping stone or closer to the final destination 
And uh, I thought that was a very helpful verse because many people are in that category. They, they, they follow the, the path as best as they know it at this present time, working with the teacher or spiritual movement uh, that they know about in their world. Um, sometimes it's a very short list of gurus or spiritual paths that one has to work with. So you take the highest road that's available to you at the present time. If you meet someone more advanced later on, um, it's not a repudiation of your past if you decide to follow the more advanced teacher that you discover and uh, start resonating with. A very helpful paragraph from Sarbachan Prose by Sant Radhaswami Sahib, also known as Seth Shivdayal Singh, or Swamiji Maharaj. Now, what if you've been following Christianity or some other world religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and so on? You can do the same with that as well. You can bring Jesus with you. You can bring the Sermon of the Mount with you, the Gospel of Thomas with you, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path with you, Ahimsa Sutras of Jainism by Lord Mahavira, with you. Those are all wonderful teachings, actually. In uh, Santmont, we have a, a book about the world religions called The Harmony of All Religions by Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. I've placed this book online at the Internet Archive, the Library of the Internet at archive.org, and I have links to it at my website. I could send you a link to it, actually, to make it easier to find. Just send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Ask for the link to Harmony of All Religions. Or if, there, if there's any other questions or comments that you have, certainly feel free to contact me. james at spiritualawakeningradio.com is the email. Or send a text message to this number, 508-603-9398. Santmat sees itself as a perennial philosophy of the ages and has much respect for the prophets and sages and apostles, uh, Jesus as Messiah, John the Baptist, many of these figures of history, Seth, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, the Essene teacher of righteousness. We don't really even know his name. It's just a, a term, teacher of righteousness or right teacher for the master of Qumran. John the Baptist, Jesus, uh, mystics of Christianity as well. Miguel Molinos, author of The Spiritual Guide, St. John of the Cross, St. Isaac of Nineveh, sometimes referred to as St. Isaac the Syrian, some of his writings um, ended, ended up in the Philokalia of Eastern Orthodox mysticism. There's some great advanced teachings to be found in various world religions, including in Christianity, although most Christians are not exposed to that in their traditions. They don't know about the Gospel of Thomas or Nag Hammadi Library or the Philokalia or Evagrius of Egypt or the Desert Fathers, the whole contemplative tradition. 
Julian of Norwich, Jan von Reisbroek, Jacoboma, Meister Eckhart, so many great saints and mystics and mystic movements within Christianity. Of course, in Judaism, Kabbalah, including some vegetarian and vegan masters of the name and spiritual movements over the centuries. Sufism in Islam, some very wonderful pockets of mysticism here and there that for a time were quite active in the world. Mysticism seems to have a very short shelf life, only a generation or two. There is no Vatican of the Spirit, or in other words, there is no University of Gnosis or University of Mysticism. Otherwise, I suppose we'd all be hanging out with Pythagoras's successor at some stoa or mystery school somewhere in Crete or Greece or some pleasant location along the Mediterranean, if that were the case. But there is no Vatican of the Spirit, no permanent place where mysticism just seems to flourish for generation after generation after generation. Although many seem to portray there being only one true master of the time, one true lineage, the way Sant Mat has reproduced itself over the centuries, in reality, uh, is like a tree of life, a, a living tree with branches that appear. Sometimes branches get old, wither, and die. But thank God there are new budding branches that branch out, and that's how it's always been. There is no permanent place where the Sant tradition flourishes for 15 generations in a row. Spiritual movements are born, have a lifespan, and pass on, often replaced by institutions, encroaching ritualism, and, uh, you know, it turns into a world religion or kind of crusty, dusty, old institution in one form or another. With any spiritual movement, sooner or later we are eventually left with bones, statues, dust from the past, apostles and prophets that are no more, the shoes and spectacles of the guru who lived many decades or centuries ago, and on a few occasions scrolls that are worshipped as holy books, even though these very same scrolls or scriptures might instruct us to not worship books. Rather, these scriptures are advising us to be healed of our blindness, go within, develop sight, see the inner light, and be healed of our deafness with ears open to hearing the inner music. All of these great teachers of days gone by have generally reaffirmed for their generation the same basic truths and inner experiences. I do like the phrase, there is no Vatican of the Spirit. I find that to be a useful way of describing it. There is no university of mysticism that is around for very long in one particular place. Spiritual movements come and go, live and die. Schools of spirituality and mystics are replaced by polyester prophets interpreting the past inspiration once breathed by others. It's always been this way. 
Living saints are sometimes eventually replaced by CEOs of religious corporations riding around in very expensive rickshaws, shall we say, and are not capable of composing their own discourses, inspired poetry, or prose like their predecessors. All of the organizations associated with mystic paths at present, rest assured, will meet the same fate as those of past generations, eventually being replaced with new vibrant gatherings in new locations, new budding branches of the living mystic tree of life to replace the old for another generation or two before they too succumb to Maya's sort of disintegration process, you might call it. A school of Santmont is around in a location for a while, and then the light goes out, the sound ceases, and then along comes Darya Sahib, or along comes Tulsi Sahib, or Shiv Dayal Singh, or someone new, someplace new, and the inner light and sound are contemplated by a group of folks somewhere for another generation or two. It's always been this way. We are living in a world of impermanence. So there is no such thing as a school of spirituality that lasts forever. What we rest our hope in is reproduction, that this mystic tree of life keeps having new branches that branch out. And therefore, the tree remains alive. If it's just one branch, sooner or later that branch will will die, and that's it. So we can be very glad that there's more than one branch, that there's not just one true branch, but it's a tree with many branches. And this way it can stay alive. A famous saint from Hathras, India, by the name of Tulsi Sahib, used to sleep in the trunk of a tree at night. I find that to be absolutely charming, as it reveals that Tulsi did not live in a mansion of opulent decadency with four or five super expensive cars in the driveway. Back then it would have been elephants, I would imagine. An image uh, that would have suggested a contradiction between the teacher's lifestyle and his teachings. There is no permanent institution or university of mysticism, but a decline-renewal process, a continuous pattern of masters leaving older centers, movements, ashrams, or real estate, and emerging in new locations to begin again, to reboot, to reset, to renew the mystic path on planet Earth, to keep the torch of spirituality burning bright for another generation or two. Spirituality is the impulse of life from the great life, the universal soul, or supreme being, that we as soul are intertwined with. Not temples or idols made of wood and stone. The history of Essenes leaving Jerusalem, John the Baptist leaving Qumran, Thomas heading east, Valentinus moving out of uh, Roman uh, cities and his uh, followers too, the Valentinians to create Egyptian spiritual movements in the desert, Tulsi Sahib moving from Pune to Hathras, and so it goes, and always has been, 
an observable pattern of breaking with the past, a time-honored tradition of crisis and renewal, reaffirming one's mystic path, making a fresh start in new locations, remaining free to exist in genuineness and authenticity without the hierarchy of scribes and an ever-growing cast of Pharisees running the show, surrounding the Master, blocking him from our view. There never has been an institution of Gnosis. There is no Vatican of the Spirit. Seneca said, Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end. Great Seneca quote, Every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end. So to that I say, Viva the Revolution! You have the Buddha for a while, and sometimes pockets of mystics in Buddhism. Those who studied the Srinagama Sutra were pretty far along the way. In Christianity, you have spiritual movements, and if anyone is following Santmat, adopting Santmat as a spiritual path, uh, you can celebrate that mystic reality, that hidden truth. There are some very advanced sayings of Jesus. There are some amazing Christian mystics. You can bring that with you. There is no repudiation of one in order to follow the other. Bring Jesus with you if you're interested in following Sant Mat. Sant Mat honors all of the saints and sages and prophets and all of the great souls of the ages. Rabia of Basra, Sarmad, Shams of Tabriz, Rumi, so many great saints, saints, Gnostics, Sufis, rabbis of the name that have appeared from time to time. That's what Santmat seeks to be and aspires to here and now during this time, this generation. Being authentic, a qualified teacher, who's going to be left standing when I finish reading this? Swami Vyasanand's new book, The Inward Journey of the Soul, has a fascinating section, a chapter called The Mantra of an Accomplished Teacher. And there's a section of this book that I've named Rules for Being Guru. This is most helpful because it describes the activity of a genuine spiritual master and some other red flags, if you will, or signs of not-so-advanced spiritual teachers. This is such a helpful section of his book. Living words from Swami Vyasanand, rules for being guru, being authentic, being a qualified teacher, a competent master. Many ordinary gurus may be found roaming around in cities and villages, and a mantra can be obtained from them. However, these gurus often do not require their students to make lifestyle transformations, nor do they require them to observe strict conduct by avoiding moral sins or spend time in meditation. They sometimes make such unrealistic claims that getting such a mantra will result in enlightenment in three days. 
in Mahatma Gandhi's words, quote, an unqualified teacher of material sciences might not be so detrimental to the success of the student. However, if the spiritual teacher is not qualified, then the student cannot achieve the goal, nor have success. In the words of Maharishi Mehi Paramahans, through satsang find a true guru, find a true master. Without the knowledge obtained from a true guru, the path is difficult to tread. Swami Vyasanand, thus many saints emphasize the importance of choosing an accomplished teacher. In these present dark times, it's very difficult to differentiate between a truly accomplished guru and a false teacher. For most people unfamiliar with spiritual paths, such discernment is challenging. One reason for this difficulty is that it's critical to spend time around a guru to ascertain his worthiness. Those who are able to easily recognize an accomplished guru are rare. The question then is how to recognize an accomplished guru and one who is not accomplished, or worse, one who is corrupt. The difficulty is that most being mesmerized by worldly attractions judge gurus by outward and material achievements, which are a wholly inaccurate measure. The true gurus live a simple life and morally upright lifestyle. They stay away from the pomp and show of the display of power. For example, they do not have expensive cars and opulent homes. They do not show favoritism among their followers. They do not wear rare beads nor adorn their heads with gleaming head marks. They do not own expensive ironed kurtas or laced dodies. They do not decorate their heads with shiny headbands, nor do they have embellished clothing or shoes. These gurus have modest furnishings, in other words, and modest seating. The food eaten is also adequate, but not gourmet. Honorific titles are shunned by the true guru. The true guru does not impart special blessings and does not guarantee to instantly show God or enlighten or awaken supernatural powers. True gurus do not display their supernatural powers, nor give medicines for cures. They do not pretend to be in deep meditation or samadhi, nor do they put on any public display of fasting. They do not cling to a particular caste and do not favor religious customs. They are not focused on appearance or trying to impress others through their outer appearance. Today's inept gurus do not pay attention to the tradition of true saints and are simply intent on increasing the number of their followers. They are not judicious, judicious, <laughs> judicious, I'm stuck on that word for some reason. They are not judicious regarding disciples are not selective in imparting their teachings. This all goes against the ancient Vedic tradition of teaching. The one who has not treaded the path, how can he impart its knowledge to others? One who is engrossed in the five senses and is a servant of the sensual 
cannot help the student go beyond the sensual or temptations? How can the guru who is attracted to sexual desires and is ignorant, who is bound by the darkness within, only sees darkness within, who does not devote himself to sadhana or spiritual practice, who himself cannot sit for an hour with spine erect and meditate, whose senses are not disciplined, who does not understand the essence of the true guru, who does not do satsang, who is full of deceit, who is away from truthful conduct, who does not do simran or mantra repetition, who does not visualize the form of the master, who cannot concentrate his mind in meditation, who has no glimpse of inner experiences such as the divine inner sound, who is unable to see his own nature, who does not see his true self reflected in others, who has not experienced the transcendent form of the divine, how can that guru help others? Hence, all of these self-appointed incompetent teachers who appoint their close followers as gurus and those who are students of such gurus meet with great misfortune. These gurus, in their greed of honor, prestige, wealth, and fame, do not judge the worthiness of their followers. They disregard the power of teaching and the responsibility of initiation. These gurus praise their rich devotees. They are inaccessible to their underprivileged devotees. They even exploit the poor. These pretentious gurus have no ability to see or judge the worthiness of the students because they themselves are blinded by ignorance and cannot lead others. It is important that the teacher pay attention to the meditation technique and to the progress of his or her students. The false gurus have no understanding of this and are concerned with enriching their own material well-being. During meditation, a practitioner experiences various obstacles, many imaginary experiences, as well as many mental sensations and thoughts, all of which give rise to doubts. The practitioner is unable to determine the validity of these experiences and therefore seeks the help of the teacher. The false or inexperienced guru won't be able to remove these doubts of the student, but in fact may create even more confusion in the student. The false teachers themselves do not know the inner path, nor understand the student's dilemma. They cannot tell if the student is making progress or going backward. The untrue guru has no way of knowing. In this way, the student becomes unsure and confused on the path of meditation. This is fully the responsibility of the guru to assist when the student begins to stray from the path of meditation. So there's a sample of Swami Vyasanand's Rules for Being Guru, where he talks about the role of the teacher is to focus the student on their practice, their meditation practice. It's not always all about the master, the outer master, outer master, outer master, outer master. As I've observed before about the Adi Granth, or Sikh scriptures of India, in the Adi Granth, the Sikh scriptures, there is great reverence given 
to the master, but there is a lot of reverence given to the supreme being. And so if you examine the Sikh scriptures, you see that much of the focus is on the inner experience of the student to become in union with the supreme being is a good job description of what the master is about in the life of his or her students. The Satguru, his job is to serve as a catalyst to help bring the student into the experience of being united with the Supreme Being. So, I've described this ratio of Guru Bhakti to God Bhakti in the Sikh scriptures in the following way. Master, 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 God, 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 Master, God. I see that as kind of the the ratio of Guru Bhakti or time focused on the Guru versus the amount of time focused on one's direct experience of the divine in meditation, remembering God by repeating his name and pursuing the goal of union with God. In other words, the focus of the Adi Granth, and if you read you know, mystic poetry of any number of saints and mystics over the centuries, the focus is not master, 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 God, master, 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 God, master, 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 master. The focus is master, 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 God, 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 master, God, if you know what I mean. In other words, uh, a big percentage of what you would be reading uh, in his writings, uh, magazines, uh, if you attended satsang talks, the teachings given by the teacher or his pub- his or her publications, uh, the focus of the meditation practice is not just the cult of personality uh, focused on the outer teacher, but meditation practice, establishing a successful practice, going within ascend the ascension of the soul, ascending through the inner regions, on the way back to the Supreme Being, given the term nameless one like Anami or Radhaswami, Lord of the Soul, Sat Purush, the Supreme Being or Supreme Soul, that is the goal of the path. Reunion with God is the goal of this spiritual path, given names like Santmat. Radhaswami, the path of the masters. O soul, who are you, and whence have you come? You are a ray from Parush, the supreme being, and an inhabitant of the purely spiritual region, Swamiji Maharaj. Hiding in this cage of visible matter is the invisible life bird. Pay attention to her. She is singing your song says Kabir. The truth is, you turned away yourself and decided to go in the dark alone. Now you are all tangled up in others and have forgotten what you once knew. The world has fallen in love with a dream. If you can't find where your soul is hidden, for you the world will never be real. The love which comes in one moment and goes away in the next 
is not a true love. The love which is not lessened any time remains always filled in the body and heart is true love, says Kabir. Withdrawal from the world and repairing to the solitude would relieve your agony and tensions. You can find a most precious treasure on this earth itself, but that is hidden in the secrecy of seclusion and solitude, says Sarmad, the Sufi saint. From God's kindness and generosity, I have ever received peace and comfort. I am wholly content with a loaf of barley, which gives me confidence, courage, and fortitude. Neither fear of the world nor any controversies regarding religious doctrines have been able to affect my serenity or shake my faith and love for my beloved Lord. Sitting in a corner of this tavern, I am at peace with myself, free from all cares, concerns, and worries. From the book Sarmad, the Saint, Sufi Poet, M. G. Gupta Translation There is only one thing that I seek from this world, and that is the peace and safety of my soul. Day and night I only request this world and its people to deny me everything but to grant me repose and tranquility. Sarmad, the Sufi saint. Let yourself be silently drawn by the strange pull of what you really love. It will not lead you astray. Descend into your heart, and in it you will find the ladder which leads to the kingdom of God said St. Isaac of Nineveh. Within the innermost recesses all spirituality is one and has never undergone any division. Our spirituality or soul or surat is an emanation from the Supreme Being. Within the innermost recesses it is one with God. That's a passage from the Discourses of Babuji Maharaj, Volume 3, published in Agra. By seeking the path within, one will go beyond the sensory realm and will attain the state of oneness, says Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. When the mind becomes calm, then the truth is revealed. If you love truth, sat or hak, God, in other words, be a lover of silence. Silence like the sunlight will illuminate you in God, says St. Isaac of Nineveh. There is a silence of the tongue. There is a silence of the whole body. There is a silence of the soul. There is a silence of the mind, and there is a silence of the spirit, said Abraham of Nathpar, Syriac mystic of the East. Go deeper past thoughts into silence, past silence into stillness, past stillness into the heart, or innermost self. Let love consume all, 
that is left of you, says Kabir. Many of the saints discuss the need for mantra, japa, recitation of a divine name or simran, and meditation on a sacred form, or dion, as preparatory practices for inner light meditation and surat shabd yoga, inner sound meditation. These disciplines enable the practitioner to have success with the more subtle forms of meditation. In other words, and that's from Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj, in other words, the repetition of a name or of God or names in Simran practice, as well as briefly visualizing the form of your Satguru, these help prepare the way for inner hearing and inner seeing on a more subtle level spiritual seeing and spiritual hearing. No chanting of names or repetition of names and not visualizing anything but real light seen within and real sound heard within. From the source of the divine ocean or God opens a portal to the light Awaken that resplendent light within you. Repeat the name of God and secure him, says Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras. The following, I think, is one of the greatest descriptions of the lofty goals of Sant Mat, the path of the masters. It's by beloved Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj from his spiritual classic, The Harmony of All Religions with various chapters about different world religions, and chapter 7 is about Santmat. The tenth gate is the gathering point of consciousness. Therein lies the path of our return. The tenth gate is also known as the sixth chakra, the third eye, Bindu, the center located between the two eyebrows. This is the gateway through which we leave the gates of sense organs and enter into the divine realms and finally become established in the soul. We travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light, from the light to the divine sound, and from the realm of sound to the soundless state. This is called turning back to the source. This is what Dharma or religion really intended to teach us. This is the essence of Dharma. Swami Sant Seviji describing the path of the Masters. And finally from Rabia of Basra, one of the early Sufi mystics. The lover of God will cry and weep until he or she finds rest in the Beloved's embrace. Thank you for joining me today on this brand new project, the Sant Mat Satsang Podcast. I used to do these a number of years ago at Blog Talk Radio when that was an open and free site without any time limits or expense involved. You can 
go to my website and scroll way down and find old episodes of Sontmot Satsang Podcasts at Blog Talk Radio. Just go to my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com forward slash Sontmot, S-A-N-T-M-A-T. Scroll way down and you'll see many past editions of Sontmot Satsang Podcasts at Blog Talk Radio from a few years back. These tend to be a bit more hardcore Sontmot than my Spiritual Awakening radio, though too that has been converted mostly into a Satsang in recent years, but I am a bit more mindful of a greater population of spiritual seekers not so acquainted with Sontmot, whereas, of course, the Sontmot Satsang podcast now appearing at the Sontmot YouTube channel is very much focused exclusively on this path, so I hope you'll find it to be a great resource, and uh, I will do these on a regular basis from now on, especially during weeks when I'm repeating programs on uh, the Positive Talk Radio Network, HealthyLife.net, so there's always something new at this channel every week, hopefully every week, or perhaps even more than one thing per week at this YouTube channel. If you'd like to receive links to various books, a lot of free books are available online these days. I believe in that. I believe, uh, you know, like the folks in the Guy Fox masks, you know, Anonymous, put the information out there, let it go free, let it get out there for the general public. Anyone online should freely be able to access this uh, wonderful teaching, all the literature of the great masters of this path. Past masters, recent masters, living teachers. You know, this should all be out there for free and available to anyone that wants it. The Anurag Sagar is online. Uh, The new book by Swami Vyasanand is at Amazon. Harmony of All Religions by Swami Sant Seviji is uh, on the web. Uh, Tulsi Sahib, Saint of Hathras, a collection of uh, the writings of Tulsi Sahib, is online. Now, that just appeared uh, a few months ago. So that is wonderful. Teachings of Kabir, uh, a lot of wonderful uh, past and present or living teachings are available nowadays. Uh, And I'm happy to send links, answer any questions you might have. If you're looking for a satsang in your part of the world, I'll do my best to find one for you. Uh, this or any other uh, reason, or just to say hello. Uh, it's nice to hear from everyone, and uh, you can send me an email if you like. The address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. If you're in North America and in many locations, you could also send a text message. Uh, on a couple of occasions, someone from Germany has tried to send a text, and for some reason I'm not able to answer them. Some sort of incompatibility with Google Voice and some other part of the Internet, I guess. I'm not sure. So if a text message isn't going through, make use of email. That works anywhere, east or west, India or Europe, North or South America or Asia. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. If you're in North America, feel free to send a text message to this number, 508-603-9800. 508-603-9381. Thank you for joining me today on the Sant Satsang Podcast. Jai Guru.
Jai Satnam, Radha Swami, Satyaram, Jai Kripal. There are many different uh, greetings and salutations and exclamations in different related traditions. Hail to the Sants. Namaste.